Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast Sports Extra. The Sports Guy JP and myself, Chris. Sports Guy JP, how are you this evening? I'm doing fine. How's it going over there? Uh, everything's everything's pretty good right now. I have the lights in, in in poor man's studio at the right temperature. I guess it's a it's a nice vibe in here tonight. So feeling pretty good. Solid seventy two degrees. Oh, you're a seventy two guy. I'm more of a sixty nine guy. Like I, yeah. I I like it right under. I like it cooler. And when I, I sleep, I like it cold. Cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd ra- would you rather be. Ah, uh, this is different because I'd rather I, be in extreme heat than extreme cold, like walking through a desert. I think. But if it was like, would you rather have it be eighty degrees or sixty degrees? I'd much rather have it be sixty degrees. That's fair. I was having this conversation the other day with someone else. I'd go a hundred degrees over zero, and as a matter of fact, I might actually go a hundred over thirty. I yeah, I I think if you're gonna do a hundred, I don't know that zero is a fair comparison. Do you know what I mean? Because like we're most comfortable at seventy ish. So say 70, so it should be, you know, 30 minus and 30 plus. So 40 versus 100. You still go 100? Uh, That that one's tough. I I might go 40 on that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for listening to the sports show this week. No, I'm kidding. See ya. Case Keenum, good night. (laughs) Yeah. We have to get the uh, uh, obligatory uh, Case Keenum drop reference in it. I reached out to him. I think. I think I did. I can't remember if I just commented on something or if I actually reached out to him. I think I did. So it's uh, not really something you like forget. Like, did you do it or didn't? <laughs> I try to. I talk to so many people now uh, over the last week because with the end of the year coming up, I just wanted to book people for the end of the year and get that all taken care of. And and I did, uh, but I can't remember if I if I did Isn't that or Joe not. Biden coming on by the end of the year too. Like hey, you're... maybe by uh, next year we'll see. Although we'll see if he's still alive. Isn't he old as shit now? Yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, <laughs> they're all old. That's what I remember seeing something. It's like it's crazy that we we have these guys and women and whoever running the country who who we wouldn't even trust driving a car. Like if they were a bus driver, they'd be stripped of their license and put away. I mean, not put like I'm sure there's a better term than put away. <laughs> they'd be you know asked to step down, and now we have them running the country. Maybe we should have somebody younger, but. We won't get into the politics on this. We'll get into sports. Although, speaking of uh, disasters, the Steelers, at the end of the game, they they got my hopes up. I thought, I'd rather you just lose, I think, in a game than to make me gain back interest and then break my heart at the end. Yeah, it was really interesting in the sense that Chargers outplayed them the whole game, and then there were two huge turnovers the Steelers had, which kept them in the game. They trailed 17 by 17, and there's two turnovers, interception by Sutton, and um, it was the blocked punt. Yeah, um, kill it, bro. Yeah, that's a 14-point swing right there, and that's what kept him in it. Um, obviously, it wasn't enough at the end, but it's just interesting to see how like you can be outplayed so well, and that just shows how much turnovers can bite you. Turnovers are absolutely 
killers and and keep you in the game, obviously, because I didn't think the Steelers played like a team that scored 30-some points and, you know, 20-some in, in the fourth quarter alone. I think the offense played... I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think Ben, uh, Claypool, and Johnson all stepped up big. Um, I think it was pathetic they didn't give Najee Harris more touches, but I guess game script just fell out of that. Um, and quite frankly, I was really concerned after the block punt that they weren't going to score a touchdown. Yeah, um, why? There was a flag that kept if, them in. If it wasn't for that pass interference, which honestly, I could see that being a no call. I agree. I, I didn't think it. it was it was egregious by any means. And I don't get how your best player on the – well, the best player on the team is probably TJ Watt. But the best player on the offense right now, uh, it's Harris. It's Nashi Harris. Give it to him. And it's on the five-yard line. If he averages two yards a carry, which is not good in the NFL, if he averages two yards a carry, man, you're in. Yeah, I agree absolutely. You got. It seems like even in this past friendly day and age in the NFL, teams on the goal line do get away from the basic principles, which I say just line it up and run it down their throats. You see that a lot in Pittsburgh. It's like, oh, I, I want a you know hard nosed defense in a running game, which is you know the the game's kind of different now, evolved. Some people would say uh, into more of a passing game. I think when you're in the goal line. It's it's the same as it ever was. It's yeah, run I, I, the I ball and yeah. show that you you can do it more. It's those guys up front against their guys up front. Yeah, and that's simple. You got to beat the, the man across from you. And it's like you see it like the 49ers lost their Super Bowl to Baltimore a few years ago because they called four pass plays. It made no sense to me. You um, see that with uh, Beast Marshall Mode. Lynch. Yeah, yeah, Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl. Um, it just doesn't make sense. And it's always teams with like great run like. Steelers don't have an air attack the way they do, you know, pounding the ball with Najee compared to years past. Um, Niners had Frank Gore and Kaepernick, who at the time was running wild on everybody. And then, of course, you have Beast Mode and Russell Wilson on the goal line. Like, I don't understand why teams throw the ball. Like, it seems like it's becoming a new norm. And it's something that I don't, you know, it's, you know, if you have Ezekiel Elliott, run the ball on the goal line. Even if you have Prescott, I don't care. Just give it to your running back on the goal line. Like, when you're doing something like that, if you're passing the ball, you kind of give the defense a, a second and a half to react and read your play. And then you can, then it could be a jump ball or whatever, 50-50 ball, combat catch kind of thing. If you're just pitching the ball or whatever and getting your guys out there, hopefully by the time they pull or if you're going up the middle, uh, that's that second is huge, and they don't have the time to react to that or the misdirection. You're getting a yard or two there. You you have to be able to get five yards in four plays. Yeah, and from the defensive perspective, you have to win that. You know, in the trenches, like if you get pushed back a yard on goal line, like chances are you've already have lost the play. Yeah, I mean, I I know that. Teams will stack the box and get right up there on the goal line, so it's a little bit harder to run, so you can't have the same rushing average like I was saying earlier in the game. But I would think in five plays, if you can't average a yard, then maybe you need somebody else. And maybe Canada's not the guy who should be calling the play. I don't... I mean, I guess if it works, it's a genius call. I don't get the end-around kind of handoff to Chase Claypool. And I just don't like the the throwing it like back shoulder kind of thing that Ben does. I, I like Claypool. I like that he goes up for it and stuff, but I just feel like running the ball is such a way higher percentage thing. 
Yeah, it's like they don't have Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones or someone who's just going to out-jump you. Even if they did have Randy, well, maybe Randy Moss or one of the guys you just said, maybe i throw it up, but I just feel like there's so much that could go wrong when you just keep it on the ground to just beat and just, you know, have your guy in four plays get some yards. Yeah, chances of an interception are much greater than the chances of a fumble. You know, right. no one's pulling a Jerome Bettis against the Colts, you know. Plus, when, when you have all your guys kind of crammed in together, you can see a pick six much easier, I think, on the goal line than you would on, like, say, the 30-yard line. Yeah, if everyone all bunched up, not to mention, like, a lot of teams' offensive packages on the goal line, it's, it's going to possess linemen and tight ends, which is why a lot of teams are afraid to kick deep field goals with the game on the line because they're afraid of a return. Return men is going to be way faster than everyone on the field. I was saying when when Killebrew didn't take it in, I was hoping they were going to score that touchdown because from the five-yard line, I'm not confident in the Steelers. Um, well, I'm not confident in the Steelers' offense in a lot of ways, but uh, just from years past, I knew they'd try to be, like, cute about it and not, you know, just beat the guy. And when I saw the first play pass, I was like, oh, my God. And then they did the Chase Claypool end-around thing. But when it's all said and done, I mean, Steelers – still converted got the touchdown and then i think the bigger issue oh. more so wait well i'm thinking of it sorry it just came back to me you have to put in your your big guys there and not pass it you're paying Derek watt how much money Najee harris is the best is the best offensive weapon i think just get your guys in there bring in an extra tight end bring in tackle eligible and and I that's what I was saying is before the play I I knew that they were gonna do stupid plays four times and then when they got the pass interference I was saying they need to bring Watt in not that I think he's the savior but if you're gonna pay a fullback you better put him in there if you're not gonna put your fullback in on that play when are you? Yeah, and Derek Watt's making like an absurd amount of money for the fullback position. Yeah. It's something that I wouldn't even break a million dollars on. I mean, I, he's like a special teams captain, but maybe he should be paid as a special teams captain. I was actually voting for the, or looking at a Pro Bowl um, voting. I was looking through it, and when it becomes your turn to vote for the fullbacks to get in, there's not 32 people there. It's like 12, maybe. Yeah. Like, it's absurd. Like, the fact that you're even carrying one in the first place means, like, this guy needs to be able to block, like utilize him. If you're getting paid like that, you should be like Kyle Ustrek in in San Francisco. Right, he's the only fullback in the NFL that like kind of plays. Yeah, or you get the, the Ricard or whatever in Baltimore. He's pretty decent, but besides that, <laughs> I, there's I, no Allstats anymore. You know, right? Did you see Mike Allstat just got his all-time uh, touchdowns passed by? Uh, um, I think by Mike Evans, maybe. Mike Evans. Yeah, Mike Evans. And then Mike Evans, um, interesting that he doesn't throw the ball into the stands after he breaks his record. <laughs> <laughs> he must have had that one on his mind. That would have been awesome if Brady went over and took it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. The Tampa Bay would be giving away free tickets to like half their stadium. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. But uh, what what else do you take away from the Steelers' loss? I, I'll tell you, I had worst-case scenario. I thought that the Steelers were going to lose. Um, so I kind of hedged my bets as a, as a human. And I was like, you know what? I'll just take the Chargers. And I didn't take the money line. I took the six points, which was the worst case scenario because the Steelers lost and I lost my bet. 
Yeah, I don't. I think that Chargers just outplayed them. Like they didn't punt a single time. The only time the Steelers got the ball back was off those key turnovers. Um, if you just watch the film from the game, Chargers just outplayed them. Um, Steelers played a lot of man coverage, which Justin Herbert took advantage of in the run game, especially. He totaled over ninety rushing yards. Um, and then he threw for almost four hundred and three touchdowns as well. Um, I think injuries played a huge role in why the Steelers weren't able to slow down uh, LA's offense. But, yeah, I mean, it's the NFL. You got to overcome injuries if you want to be a successful team. Cam Hayward's um, an absolute monster. I think that should be shown from this past game. That's one positive thing I took away from that. I'm, I'm picturing, you know, Justin Herbert looking like Michael Vick. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cam chasing uh, him down. Yeah, yeah, he chased him down. He, uh, had that key deflection that led to the Sutton interception. Yeah. And he was just getting pressure all day, even without TJ Watt. Um, Alex Highsmith recorded um, a sack and a half as well. So it's happy to see him step up without Watt. Yeah. Uh, the uh, secondary, though, you know, Hunt Hayden or Micah Fitzpatrick, they struggled to cover. Um, you know, Pierre got beat even on, on the last drive when Pierre... Mike Williams was wide open. What, what was that? I think it was a run that Pierre just got. Juked out of his out of mm-hmm. his shoes, he just like dropped to the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um, struggling with the tackling again, just like they did last week against Detroit. Um, Keenan Allen had you know a buck twelve. Mike Williams went ninety seven. Eckler had sixty five catches and four total touchdowns. Sixty five um, reception. Sixty five yards. yards I mean. Okay. <laughs> um, that would have been the, one hell of a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He. He totaled over 110 um, total yards and four touchdowns. Like, it's just sloppy defense. Yeah. But, I mean, there there were injuries which played a role. I'm not going to deny, you know, not having T.J. Watt, um, you know, to get the pressure on a, consistently, you know. It's right. just they lost to a better team, and there was no surprise that the Chargers were the better I team. I mean, yeah, you can't take the best player in football off the field and then think there's going to be no trickle-down effect. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the, the Steelers' offense too. matched them when they could. Um, ben did throw three touchdowns. Najee had one. Um, but th- then again, it was off turnovers. Um, offensive line, I think, played. Um, you know, they were serviceable. Um, I heard that. Um, um, you know, interesting enough, the when Ben had more time, that's actually when more issues occurred. So. When he had um, to hold on to the ball for over two and a half seconds, I heard that's one more. Um, that's when his like rating dropped. So under two point five seconds, his uh, play play rate, pass play rate was about sixty percent, and then underneath that, it dropped to under forty percent. Is that completions? Uh, his yeah. Uh, or is that a different play, stat? They say. I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Is that a different Uh, stat or is that pass percentage? It was, it's called pass play rate. So I guess like your rating. Okay. Because I was going to say, I would think that on the quicker ones, you're doing more slants that are probably easily caught, but you're also getting a three yard reception versus the longer play. Maybe it's a five step drop. He's holding on to it for a second, waiting for something to open up, then chucks it downfield. It's a less percentage catch. So I don't know if that might factor into it. Mm -hmm. I kind of missed that in Ben Roethlisberger's game of him. 
I mean, I, he can't do it anymore because he's not nearly as mobile. But, like, he used to do that. The play would break down. He'd roll out and then make a huge play. And that will never happen because the ball's out of his hand. And, like you were saying, I guess 2.5 seconds is the Mason-Dixon line on that. But it seems like, uh, you know, him at his best is when he's kind of scrambling and making things work. And uh, in the two-second offense, it's not going to work. Right. It's just like you know, that point of his career where he's not going to be, you know, pushing the pocket and expanding plays. Um, and again, like, I, I just have to keep coming back to, you know, those two turnovers is what kept him in. Um, when you look at the, you know, total plays, the Chargers only ran four more plays and held the ball for, you know, only about three or four minutes longer. Um, having said it, they had 233 more total yards, um, 159 to 55 rushing yards and, you know, 7.7 yards per play versus 4.6. So Steelers were just, you know, outplayed and caught a couple lucky turnovers. And then that's what kept them in it. Yeah. I mean, I guess going into it, I, I would have thought that they looked better, but because they were winning and, and got that excitement and yeah, and then they lost it at the, you know, the last two and a half mm-hmm. minutes or so. What about, and I saw Cam Hayward tackled Herbert, but he also, punched him it looked like yeah i thought that seemed really strange to me because that doesn't seem like cam hayward um he said that he didn't really mean to or he didn't really know what was going on i think if i had to guess from what happened it looked like some guy grabbed him from behind and he was just kind of like discombobulated and moving over and probably just felt something and pushed it down because that didn't look like a punch like if cam hayward was going to punch you you'd feel it that seemed like a a push like roll over like get off me kind of thing the whole thing looked kind of like strange to me in the sense that cam hayward tackled him and he looked like he was really aggressive oh yeah that looked like he was frustrated I, i don't know what happened but um also, he was running him down from behind. I could see him wrapping him up and pulling him down aggressively, trying to you know force a fumble because that was yeah. you know a key situation in the game where the Chargers scored points. I think when I when I saw him get tackled, it looked like and if anybody has played football and they're just getting kind of beat, or if it's a close game and like your teammates are kind of like not playing up to the level, it looked like he was like, I can't believe I'm thirty years thirty uh, yards downfield and I have to make this tackle. After mm-hmm. he, he juked right. two guys, and it's Justin yeah. Herbert. Yeah, yeah, and he, like you said, he apologized. He's not facing suspension or anything, and nor do I think he should. Um, and, I mean, yeah, Mark Madden came out in the trip today saying that the Steelers should continue to follow the lead of Cam Hayward and Roethlisberger, and I think that's the truth. Cam Hayward played a phenomenal game despite, you know, not everything showing up on the stat sheet outside of the pass deflection. Um but, I mean, he was creating pressure, and that was on a line who is without to it, without Olalulu, and without Watt off the edge. So he's still playing up to par at, you know, an all-pro level. Yeah. Oh, I th- I think he, he's the leader on the team, and I think Ben gets thrown into that because he's the quarterback. But mm-hmm. I think if, if he could pick one leader from that team, I think it has to be Cam Hayward. And I think yeah, it needs to be. Chargers are no slouch on the O-line. Their right side is not as dominant as the left side. Having said it, though, Cam Hayward um, coming up the middle seemed to generate pressure you know, f- throughout the game. And like I said, even Highsmith got after him, which is huge considering T.J. Watt wasn't there. So I was proud of the way they were able to you know, get pressure on Herbert. It was just you know, when he took the ball, tucked it, and ran, you know, that's yeah. when you, you saw issues. 
I don't know if you notice is is Cam Hayward still number one for Pro Football Focus at his position? I thought he was going into Sunday's game. Going into Sunday's game, he was listed as one. Um, I don't have anything updated after the grades from this week. Okay, yeah. Well, he's he's playing like it. He's kind of an when you're when you're an up guy up front and a three four defense that's not making you know huge sacks like you know TJ Watt or something like that. The sexy numbers. People kind of get overlooked, and he is definitely just the cornerstone on that defense. Yeah, and uh, PFF grades strangely to a lot of people sometimes, too. It's like, well, how do you know like he won that snap or whatever? But I could tell you, like, just from watching the Steelers week in, week out, Cam Hayward really is putting up number one at his position, right. um, you know, numbers and playing that way. So let's get into uh, some talk for next week. Next week we have the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, so, uh, you know, second matchup between the Steelers and Bengals of the year. Um, this is a must-win game, to put it lightly. Um, especially coming off a week where um, everyone besides the Steelers and the AFC North won. Um, you know, this is must-win football, it yeah. seems like. Now, as of right now, the Steelers are, I think, eighth. They're right outside of the playoff. So they they definitely need a win over Cincinnati, kind of swing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Cincinnati's at six and four, they're a game above the Steelers. Um, Browns too are a game above. Um, a win here though, not only does it give your team a win, but obviously it gives Cincinnati a loss. It evens up the uh, division matchup at one apiece, and then um, you never know if Lamar Jackson still can't play. I mean, I, I think he's recovering and should. But, I mean, it's a game that, you know, Chicago needed to finish. Um, Having said it, it's going to require Baltimore to lose, too, which is going to be challenging. Yeah. The the whole AFC North, it seems like the whole AFC in general or NFL, um, it's, it's kind of still a toss-up, which is not – I don't think there's normally this many teams that still have a legitimate playoff chance this late into the year. Yeah, it's crazy. There's no – great NFL teams right now it seems like yeah. it seems like a much more um level playing field for you know it's built for parity um that's what they say and it seems like this is the first year where it's you know honest um Tennessee is the one seed at eight and three right now um generally speaking that's like a three at, at this point you know we don't see Kansas City is dominant they're seven and four um Steelers at five, four, and one. Um, technically, they're actually at third. I'll correct myself. They're ahead of Cleveland. Um, but Cleveland plays Baltimore this week. Baltimore has seven wins, so you know at least one's guaranteed to lose. Um, or tied if you're the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cleveland and Steeler victory this week would even out the entire division essentially. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Baltimore would have a game, but it seemed yeah everyone else would be you know six wins or seven. That's crazy that it's this close, especially after how last season ended with with Cincinnati just you know not being really close to anybody and now you know being in second if not first in a couple weeks. I think Cincinnati is uh, Cincinnati scares me the most as a Steelers fan to play. Oh, what was it you said? Baltimore is no, I think Cincinnati right now. Uh, Their offense just Jamar Chase is so impressive. Uh, uh, Joe Burrow just mixing just that whole offense. Yeah, they have offensive playmate like whereas like Baltimore has Lamar and that's like he's better than anyone since he, but he's still like it's one guy that you can neutralize, whereas since he 
has, you know, a three-headed piece at wide receiver. Um, I think Azuma's a pretty underrated tight end. And um, Mixon and Burrow, yeah, it's... For the lack of playmakers on the Steelers' defense, if Hayden, Fitzpatrick, and Watt, you know, even if just one of them simply can't go, is going to make a huge difference. The reason Cincinnati makes me nervous versus, like, Baltimore, they both make me nervous, and I think they're both better than the Steelers. I'll say that. I just feel like after seeing the Steelers play against Lamar Jackson from years and stuff, like, it's more of a running, uh, it's not, like, precision deep ball passing mm-hmm. where I feel like you could just pick the Steelers apart. Their secondary is not good right now. Right. Steelers are generally speaking closer slowing down the run than they are, you know, playing with their secondary. I mean, when you look at their team history, they're built more on their linebackers and D linemen more than their secondary. And that's definitely what I see in this team. And especially after seeing this week from Fitzpatrick and Hayden. I mean, I've been critis- critical of Fitzpatrick this season, but not having him back, even if he's not making an interception, but him just standing back there made a difference. And not having a presence back there is why, you know, Herbert was able to put up the numbers that he did. Plus, there's a lot of times that just being in the right position will, will pay off. And, like, people watching the game at home maybe can't see it all the time. But, you know, you saw in that one game, or in the, in the last game where Mike Williams is running, uh, Collinsworth was saying how if, he, if Minka Fitzpatrick was back there, that play probably doesn't happen. Yeah, and or at least a touchdown like, doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I think not having Watt, Fitzpatrick, and Hayden, Hayden's your best corner too. Um, and you allow forty-one points. Like those three guys alone have to at least you know contribute to seven to ten points of that, like easily. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Secondary struggled big time. Um, Sutton had the interception, but besides that, he allowed six catches on seven targets for one hundred twenty-one and a touchdown. Um, Pierre, like you said, missed the tackle, but he wasn't much better. Um, allowing six catches as well for 77 in the touchdown. So, you know. Speaking of missed tackles, what's up with Devin Bush? <laughs> Devin Bush is a bust, and I'm just going to say, like, <laughs> that's where he is. Yeah. I, I It's looking like he is, and it doesn't look like he has that determination and stuff to get back in, and I hope I'm wrong, and I hope I see something different. But uh, you don't see uh, Devin Bush chasing people down from behind to make a tackle like Cam Hayward would. Uh, no, you don't see him making any tackle. You don't see him standing still and have the guy run by him and then, you know, reach his arm out. No, and uh, <laughs> I've been critical of Schobert, too. But Schobert at least made that big play on the fourth down that gave the Steelers hope. Um, but Bush, um, PFF gave him a negative grade on over 40% of his plays against the run. Oh, well. And he also gave up six catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. I, I don't remember seeing him make a play on the ball at all. And I think he's more talented physically than Schobert, but Schobert seems to just study the game more and also want to be better. Yeah, he has like a feel for the ball. He's more aware, uh, situational awareness when it comes in situational football. He knows. Um, Plus, we were all expecting him to step in and be great. Like, he wasn't with the team all year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that too. I think just like his ascent, like he has, you know, it seems like Bush just isn't comfortable black there. He doesn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't like know the playbook. Yeah. I don't you know. know it just what? seems like he's lost. But he's I don't get how he could be so dominant at Michigan and then just come in and like, you like, it seems like guys like that, even when you're not in the playbook, like your physical just talent and just mm-hmm. athleticism takes over. And it doesn't even seem like it's like that with him. Like, is it a, a lingering with, knee injury? Mm-hmm. 
A big thing, too, with him that I noticed when we, or when Pittsburgh traded up to draft him, I was excited because, you know, it was Devin Bush and Devin White were the big. Oh, right. I was I was very excited when they took him. Yeah, yeah. And everyone knew Devin White was going to go, you know, top five like he did. And then Bush slid the Steelers, you know, he's available at 10. They traded up. So I was excited. But when you watch some of his tape in college, it seemed like he would wait for the, you know, ball carrier to come to him then yeah. he'd make the tackle rather than him initiating the contact. And it was just like something I briefly saw while studying, you know, bits and pieces of the film. And when I mentioned it to other people, it seemed like, yeah, but like, it's something like you could learn and get out of it as a pro because he's quick, physically yeah. gifted. It's like, it seems like it's a habit that he hasn't gotten out of. It seems like, you know, even as a professional linebacker, there might be like an element of fear, or, you know, yeah. some mental thing about, you know, I'd rather this guy come to me than I'll wrap him up rather than me, you know, dishing out the damage myself. Yeah, maybe. I uh, I don't know what it is with him, but I definitely want to see it, you know, <laughs> improved because I, there's too many of these. And we, we talk about it. We touched on it, you know, a couple times so far with the show, just with some bad drafting of defensive players with Ziggy Hood and Jarvis Jones and Artie Burns. And it's looking like Devin Bush is going to be part of that group. And I'm not even sold on uh, Edmonds yet as a safety. Like, yeah, he starts, but, like, <laughs> I don't think he's very good. He's not a first-round pick. No, that seemed like a pick they just, like, th- threw out there. Like, uh, safety's position in need. Uh, nobody's available. Let's take that guy. He wasn't on anyone's mocks in the first round whatsoever. I didn't hear the guy until the Steelers picked Unless you're going to be a game-changing, like a turnover machine physical safety, like Troy Palmolo or Ed Reed or or a hitter like John Lynch that's going to make a tackle, you know, Darren Sharper. You have guys like that who just intercept the ball. Darren Sharper or Ed Reed would have, you know, four touchdowns each year. Edmonds is not that. He's not, he's He's a second-day pick. Well, what I was going to say, too, is, like, that's why you pay those guys. You pay an Ed Reed. You pay a Charles Woodson. You pay a Paul Amala. I don't – because they win Defensive Player of the Year. It's one thing to be a great safety, but to win Defensive Player of the Year, you know, that puts you on another level. I don't see that in a guy like Micah Fitzpatrick. Like I said, I wouldn't pay him. I would actually consider trading him because safety is a luxury, not a necessity in today's NFL. And having said that, Edmonds is no Fitzpatrick. Yeah. He's yeah. even worse. I wouldn't pay Fitzpatrick, and Fitzpatrick is definitely better than Edmonds. Yeah. I, I Fitzpatrick is, is strange to me because he was so dominant and just he's he you know, he was an interception machine a, a year or two ago. Or when they when they when they traded for him. And since then, I don't I don't know. Like it seems like I know first. Maybe we're so used to Sean Davis being back there that when we saw him, we you know he looked like you know the next best safety. Although you can't you know fake an interception. No, I think that you know secondary is one of those positions too where it's like maybe he has all these interceptions because people are throwing on him versus you yeah. know maybe he's killing it this year because he doesn't have any interceptions because no one's throwing to him. Oh, you'd see that with like Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey, would be like, oh, right. you know, he's like he has three interceptions. Yeah, but they threw on his side of the field five times right that <laughs> year. Like right. it would be like that with yeah, him and that. Chris McAllister, Ty Law, and these just beasts or Darrell Revis and stuff. You know, for a more modern one, uh, you see stuff with like Diggs in in uh, Dallas. Like he gets a ton of interceptions, but he also gives up quite a few catches. Yeah, Diggs. I, I don't 
he'll go to the Pro Bowl, but I don't think he's a top five corner in this league by any means. Like, who who would you say is a better corner, Diggs or Ike Taylor? Oh, Ike Taylor was the most underrated player I've seen like in years. He shut guys down, just didn't get the interception. I'm taking Ike. Right, Ike Ike is an unsung hero for some of those uh, good Steeler defenses. And even like like J.C. Jackson in New England right now, he's second in interceptions to Diggs, obviously, but he is way better. Like I know that like they're technically both getting thrown on because they have these interceptions, but man, like he can lock up his guys and he makes plays on the ball, whereas Diggs, I think he 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 jumps a little bit. New England seems to be the antithesis of the Steelers in multiple ways, but uh, for this one, I'll say they just seem like they get cornerbacks and then develop them. Yeah, Belichick, um, New England, they know how to develop D-backs better than anybody. They had McCourty, Um, Gilmore, I mean, this guy now. But then, like, going back, they had uh, Ty Law, Asante Samuel, you know, Rodney Harrison. Yeah, like, all these guys who are really good. And it just seems like they they don't rebuild, they reload at that position. And the Steelers Mm -hmm. are not the same. That's what wins in today's NFL, quarterback, secondary. You know, you need a line, obviously, pass rusher. But secondary, there are the fewest great corners and safeties in today's NFL. And if you find ones who can play, you win ball games. That's why Cam Newton and Carolina couldn't beat Denver in that Super Bowl. That's why Peyton Manning at that age won that Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, that they had got, you know, they had uh, uh, who, uh, TJ Ward at safety. Okay. They had, uh, you know, um, Keeb Tlaib and... Uh, who was the other one? They had Chris Harris and then yeah. Miller and Ware off the edge. Like you need to have guys who can cover. I don't see a shutdown corner in today's NFL, but if you can get two good ones, like it's so rare to find even a good one in today's yeah. NFL. You know, a Jalen Ramsey, incredibly hard to find. Plus, you see a lot of guys who like uh, at cornerback. Like, if you, if you have the right cornerback for your scheme, you got to hold on to him because there's so many cornerbacks that go to different teams and aren't the same cornerback. The biggest is probably like Namdi Asamoah. Remember when he was on Oakland and he went to Philadelphia and was not the same cornerback. You see stuff like Josh Norman left and his production went down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Plus, it's with the rules in today's NFL. Um, Wide receivers, quarterbacks, offense, they all have the benefit. The league wants them to score more points. It's more entertaining. They sell more tickets. But, and fantasy people are into it. Right. You know, it's offensive league, as it should it's be. Good for, it's good for the brand. Right. <laughs> that's h- how it is, though. And I, I totally get it. But in order to slow that down, if you can find some corners, like, other than quarterback, I think corner could very well be the most important in today's NFL. I'd say if you have that pass rusher corners, like a, you know, two a and two B. Yeah. I mean, that's where, where you see the, well, you don't see corners so much, but you see like when you have a first overall pick, it's a cornerback, it's a left tackle. Uh, it's a pass rusher. And yeah, yeah. And you, you might see cornerback becoming more and more of a, a, a pick higher in the draft then. Yeah. Yeah. And generally when the corners, are graded high out of college, like they hit, you know, like Ramsey was, you know, the, a big deal hit immediately. Patrick Peterson, same thing. Like when they come out and they're projected to go highly, you got to snag one. Yeah. And it's, it's one they, they get you. I mean, it's one of those like kind of plug and play positions too. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like 
Belichick, the best coach of all time, that's where he will spend money, cornerback and offensive line. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. You you were just saying how, how the Patriots were really clicking now. And uh, the, you could possibly see uh, a New England and Tampa Bay Super Bowl. How uh, – that's, I think, probably what the NFL would like more than anything, right? Yeah, and it's what we would like as you know, fans, too. I'm looking at the AFC standings right now. I think the NFC has a lot of good teams up front. AFC is just, like, okay everywhere, it seems. Um, Tennessee is 8-3 and three in the one seed, but Patriots are 7-4. and four. They have passed Buffalo. They are winning their division. Um, Belichick, I think, is having himself a fantastic year. If you can find... I was checking FanDuel, it's not available, but anyone who's offering season uh, uh, awards at the end of the year, if you can find a coach of the year, I would bet Belichick immediately. No one's even talking about it because it's Belichick and it's like he's done a million times, you know. Right, like why should we give Brady an MVP? Why should we give LeBron an MVP? You know, that's kind of the shift Belichick's in. And quite frankly... Who is doing a better job this year coaching than he is, despite, like, how many guys on his team are known as superstars? Yeah. And they're going to win the division. He has a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterback. Like, yeah, they've been written off so quickly. And they're 7-4. and Defense is playing out of their minds. They're on a five-game win streak. They're 5-0 and on the road. Uh, Mac Jones knows what he can do, and he knows what he can't do. Yeah. It's, well, well you know, Mac Jones has been impressive. He he has to be the top rookie quarterback. So he's far. the favorite to win rookie of the year right now. Um, and then Jamar Chase, Najee Harris is a distant third, but Najee is at plus twelve hundred. I is think that's fair, though. I think that order is the way I would put them as well. I would too. I think like Najee and Jamar Chase could be like. You know, when it comes to MVP versus Offensive Player of the Year, yeah. Offensive Player of the Year is generally who put up the stats, yeah. which I think Chase and Ozzy are doing. Uh, Mac Jones, in particularly, isn't, yeah. but he's winning football games. Yeah, and I so also I'm, think you that gotta give it to Mac Jones at this point. And, and maybe it's a quarterback bias, but th- when you're a quarterback, you have a lot more on your plate. And as a rookie, being thrown at quarterback in the NFL versus being told to, you know go run a route like I've uh, you know just playing if if anyone's ever played football even at a small level playing quarterback versus playing running back it takes a lot less um, mm-hmm. kind of I'm not saying it's an intelligence thing but I'm saying like the the information you have to take in before the play and read it like if you want to be a good running back you do need to take all that in but it's very different and you know when you're a running back it's hand the ball go yeah, no. even for, like, you know, quarterbacks, no one talks about You have to know the play clock and the game clock. Yeah. You know, you can't, like, if even if you're just looking, like... You have to know everything. You have to look at the scoreboard on the field. That's a, How hard is it to see the scoreboard at a game as a fan? <laughs> like, you have to know that clock as the quarterback on the field. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah plus, to... too, Jamar Chase has Burrow throwing him the ball. He also has Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins... Um, take up some coverages. Um, Joe Mixon's, you know, a uh, top 10 running back in this league. Matt Jones has the worst receiving core in the NFL, arguably. Yeah. And maybe this isn't a super apt analogy, but like, say you see a really good band and they have a great bass player, but their singing is just, eh, 
that's kind of like having a great wide receiver without a quarterback. If you have that lead singer that can come in and steal the show, like that's the quarterback. That's all the pressures on you and stuff like that. Like it's nice to have that. And people who respect the game will like that. But like you need that to really drive it home, I think. Right. Yeah. It's like get guys who like like to study music and bass lines and whatever. Like right. Like they, they would like something like like you no know, like Primus or something. Where someone who's listening to the lyrics and his voice won't like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think um, you know, getting back to that, if you can get Belichick as your coach of the year, like I don't know what the buyout would be, but I think that would be a steal. And um, side note too, um, Chiefs are plus 800 to be the one seed out of the AFC. I really like that despite the struggles they've had. Um, I think Mahomes is able to, you know, finally click. He hasn't played well. It seems like I have the same thing to say about him every week. Well, he's not playing well, but he will turn around. Like he needs to put it together now that we understand we have an even playing field across the entire AFC. That Kansas City um, defense is looking pretty good. It would be a great time for him to turn it on. Uh-huh. I think Chris Jones is coming back at the perfect time, and getting that pressure up the middle is something they're going to need. Um, I also think, you know, Tennessee's 8-3 without Derrick Henry. They're going to fall off. They played a horrible game this past week. Um, Baltimore has did uh, not look very Lamar good Jackson at all. was um, sick. We'll see if he plays this week. Um, it just seems like Kansas City for the buyout is a steal. Yeah. I think that they could easily win the AFC. Um, they play the Steelers and Bengals later this year and every other game's a divisional game. Um, so I think it's, it's very possible that they win, um, you know, f- five out of six. Very yeah. doable. Yeah. The Chargers would be the only kind of, uh, you know, scary one just because, they could win the division being two there. Plus, you know, if those divisional games would swing the standings pretty hard versus, say, you lose to Cincinnati or mm-hmm. something like that. It's crazy looking at the AFC right now. There are teams with three and four losses at the top of their divisions. Like, they lose two more games. They have five losses. Like, when's the last time a five-loss team had a bye week? Yeah. Never, probably. I mean, probably at some point, but not in my memory. Yeah, yeah, it, it's so close. It's you always see like exciting. the thirteen and three teams, and then then there's a twelve and two team. You you rarely see. Yeah, I don't think I've seen anyone with more than five losses. Yeah, I don't think so either, and I think it's it's kind of exciting. Um, there's only one bye week right now with the seven yeah. teams. Yeah, still just the top seeds going to get it. Yeah, uh, that could be interesting this year. So you you like that. That's something I like as well, and I put money on it today. So, well, I put my money where my mouth is on that. So we'll see. I put my money where your mouth is, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so we'll no, they're plus 800. It's just, I, I feel like plus 400, I, I'd consider it. Plus eight, that's a substantial payoff for something that I think is very, very doable. That's something, you know, you put 25 bucks on, you win 200 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, it's not a lock they do it but i think your chances are as good as anybody's with that payout it, it, it's worth it in my opinion to just take a stab at yeah i agree uh kind of the the risk reward uh pay, just like off. like like be honest among every team competitive right now are you going to take patrick mahomes or mac jones are you yeah take patrick mahomes or ryan Tannehill. yeah i mean you, know, that, and, you the only thing is you have to kind of factor in uh but 
like the the remaining schedule and how good the other teams are. But Tennessee, do they still have to play the Colts again? The Colts are looking good. Colts are really Jonathan Taylor looks like maybe somewhere. an MVP. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, I played against him in fantasy this week, and he had five touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I'm well aware of what he did. Um, <laughs> Carson Wentz is playing great too. They don't even like have the best receiving court in the league either. But I think what Wentz and Wright do is a coach quarterback has been incredible. Have you seen any of this uh, Hard Knocks Colts thing? They're doing the in-the-season Colts Hard Knocks? I, I did see it advertised, which was – they haven't done that before. Have no, they? they've never done that before. I, I haven't watched any of it because it was kind of like, I don't care about the Colts. There's nothing about the Colts that are just, like, boring to look at. Just their uniforms are, like, all white – and they play in that, like, dome. I don't know. Something about it just isn't, like... I get it. Well, it's funny. When, like, Peyton and Luck were there, they were still, like, excited. They were like, oh, Colts, Colts are good. They're competitive. And then when I heard, like, these past four years when they've switched their quarterback to us, like, when they had Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Like, even last year, they had Phillip Rivers, and they made the playoffs. And it's like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so boring. But, I, I mean, I've teams to do it, because they when they do hard knocks, regular hard knocks, I think you have to have, like, a losing record or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's cool to see a team that's decent behind the scenes. So I'll yeah, have to check I that can't out. believe, um, you know, I think Reich would also be a fair pick for a coach of the year. If the Colts do take the division, I, th- I, I see them as a playoff team, but I just don't see them as a, um, division winner at this point. Uh, I did check Tennessee has beaten them twice this year in oh, a really? two game lead. Uh, Oh yeah, that, I don't. I don't see uh, who else is in that division. The Texans, yeah. I don't Texans see. A, yeah, the Texans and Jaguars. Oh my god! You know what? Now that I think about it, Tennessee sucks for not like blow. The Colts and, and right. Tennessee are right where they should be with that division. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's the two worst teams in the That's NFL. that's the same with like the AFC East for like the Patriots for probably a decade and a half. Where with the Dolphins and the Bills and uh, uh, who else is in there? Dolphins, Bills, Patriots, and uh, yes. Jets. So I yeah. say it all the time. Um, Tom Brady's the best of all time, but the only argument I will respect from someone who wants to counter it is that he played in one of the worst divisions throughout his entire career. Yeah, that is the only argument I could like respect. But still, it's like. Uh, once you get into the playoffs and stuff, I, that might take away one time. You know, I don't know. And and even if he does, like Tom Brady could take three rings, pretend they never existed, and still be the best. Yeah, yeah. So there's no argument. It's just that's the only thing I expect. <laughs> so he's only 700 times better than second place instead of 800 times better. Okay. Right. Like, basically, he has seven rings. Montana and Bradshaw have four. Aikman has three. He is Aikman away from second. He is third away from second when it comes to counting up the Super Bowl rings. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> All right, JP, do you want to get into some of your picks this week then? Sure. It was kind of a uh, strange week for me, but um, we'll, we'll see how we go. Okay. <laughs> oh, sh- Number one. Okay, so I don't like Atlanta whatsoever this year. Um Four-win team, they're boring. League's moved on from Matt Ryan. Um, run games, been they have a kick returner playing running back. They have um, <laughs> wide receivers, been an issue of Calvin Ridley out. Um, you know, due to mental health. You know, you know, wish him the best of that. But 
It's been a disaster. If there's one thing I like less than the Falcons, though, it's the Jaguars. So I'm going to take the Falcons <laughs> minus one against the Jaguars. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a money line pick then. Um, the thing with the, with the Falcons to get back to the Colts, they're kind of the NFC version of how how like that dome is just ugly. It's an ugly game to watch when they play in Atlanta's. Um, I think it's because they have new uniforms too. They're so horrible. Yeah. Their There's old like, ones weren't bad at all. And then they updated it and they look terrible. Yeah. And I think like that makes me like them less as a team. Yeah. Which is like weird. Um, But no, I, I like them to beat Jacksonville because the spread is so low. Um, You know, Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence are still trying to figure out how to win as an organization. Um, Matt Ryan's coming off two games where he's thrown zero interception or zero touchdowns, four interceptions um, against the Patriots and Cowboys, who are both, um, I would say, top-notch defenses this season. I'm expecting him to rebound and have a much better game against Jacksonville. All right, so pick numero uno, we have Atlanta. How many times can you say that this year? No. Number two. Um, After what I saw this week for the Chargers, um, I'm going to take them minus two and a half against Denver. Um, I think uh, the Chargers just have a better overall roster. Denver I seem to have been calling it quits when they traded away Vaughn Miller. Um, Teddy Bridgewater can manage a game, but I don't expect him to overcome a deficit by, let's say, two possessions. Um, <laughs> I, I just like the playmakers better on the Chargers. I think that the offensive line is going to protect the lack of pass rush from Denver. I think that um, Austin Eckler is coming into his own um, as a full-down running back, receiving and rushing the ball coming off that game with four touchdowns and Herbert's just get more confident every week. And I think they should win this game by at least a field goal. I think that would be one of the hardest things in, in professional sports is like kind of going out and putting everything on the line, like Teddy Bridgewater. When you know your team is like in a rebuild mode, like you just traded your best player away, you know that you're probably not going to look at the playoffs this year. And just having to go out and put in the same amount of effort. I mean, I guess that's why they're pros, but I think just getting mentally ready for, you know, a rebuild would be rough for the, at the second half of the year for a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. And it seems like for them, like, Chiefs have passed them. They're not going to catch up. Uh, Vegas and Chargers are still, you know, they're all still competitive, but it just seems like Chargers have that it factor. They have Pro Bowl caliber players, and I think, you know, uh, Pat Sertan Jr. still, you know, hurt or he'll be coming off injury if he does return. Um, you know, it, it's just a game that I, I like Herbert to find his targets and, you know, move the ball more efficiently than Denver will. Denver's strength isn't running the football. And I think the Chargers, you know, after looking at the performance they did this week against Pittsburgh, should be able to slow down the run. And um, another thing I wanted to mention, too, was I feel like, uh, Denver giving Cortland Sutton an extension was, you know, a little premature despite, you know, the lack of production I've seen out of him this year too. I just, Denver's a boring football team that I'm thinking is going to score for about 13 points this week. And I think the Chargers are going to beat them pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. Now this past week, uh, did Asante Samuel Jr. play against uh, the Steelers? He did. He got hurt. Um, 
I'm not sure about his status for this week. But I mean, is there anything that makes you feel older? And I would, I would assume like it would have to hit Ben Roethlisberger the hardest, just like playing against his dad and then the son. Like you see that with Pat Sertan Jr. in the league, mm-hmm. Santi Samuel Jr. Just like people like that, like now his son's in it. That that's, would yeah. be surreal. Both of those guys, Joe Horn's kid too, um, all drafted this year. It's crazy. Even Frank Gore has a kid who's almost like, I think he's in college. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> or high school. I, I think college would be a little, yeah, um, too soon. But like. I mean, Frank. if there was a guy who I would believe, it's Frank Gore who played for 40 years. Yeah, it's great. Adrian Peterson was just released by the Titans. I saw it too today. It's unfortunate. I was just kind of, root. I was just hoping to watch him play just to like, stack up more career numbers not that he was going to make a difference anyway adrian peterson is one of those guys who maybe and i'm not saying he should have but maybe taken the barry sanders route and uh retired a little bit earlier so people would have this memory of him just being the best running back instead of like the emmett smith kind of just dragging their feet and yeah if he just would have called a quits when minnesota cut him yeah <laughs> I mean, it's easy for me to say when I'm not, you know, the one playing or being paid, but I think it would, it, people would look back on it more fondly uh, with, with that as the memory. Let's get into the next pick. Number three. I'm going to take the Vikings plus three against San Fran. Um, oh. Minnesota, they're uh, competitive in all their games, let's say, in a way. They do play to their level of competition like the Steelers do, but I think they have more superstar quality players on their offense. Yeah. Um, that offense is good if, if if they can click. Justin Jefferson's an absolute beast. Mm-hmm. They are, they're coming off two big wins in a row um, against Green Bay and the Chargers. Um, and it began after Justin Jefferson said, like, I need the ball more. And Zimmer was right on the page with him. He said, yes, we'll get you the ball more. He's been balling out since. Um, Adam Thielen is the best, or definitely top three, number two in the league. I like what they do with Dalvin Cook um, as a running back who's consistently good when he's healthy. Um, Kirk Cousins, way better uh, by the numbers than most people will give him credit for. I think he should do a better job at winning football games. But when you look at his numbers over the course of the year, 21 touchdowns to just two interceptions. There, There's some of those games, like I think it was lit earlier in this year, where like the, Kirk Cousins drove him downfield and then they still lost by a field goal at the end. Mm-hmm. Like I, People are down on Kirk Cousins, but I feel like, I don't know. I mean, he needs to win a game that matters, but when he does, like he's also, you know, what more do you want from him than 21 and two? For mm-hmm. a touchdown-interception ratio. Right, that's the best in the league. And I th- I just don't see that right now with San Fran. Um, they're playing, you know, they ever since their Super Bowl loss, they've just been an overrated, underperforming team, in my opinion. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has, you know, a very low ceiling. I yeah, I was hmm. way bigger on him when he was in New England than left. I thought he was going to be pretty good. He just seems like a, I don't know, like a, not even a good game manager. I mean, like maybe just good enough to start. Yeah, and that's how it's been, it seems like, all year. He was known as the guy who would win football games, even when he didn't put up the numbers. You yeah. know, he was, you know, the most efficient while trailing. He was that kind of quarterback. I'm not seeing it this year. Um, I, I just don't see their identity as a team right now. I think that 
they're in a tough division. But having said all that, I just think Minnesota's trending upwards and the 49ers are trending downwards. Um, I, I, I just, like I said, I think the Vikings have more superstar quality players and that's going to be a tough matchup for the uh, 49ers to keep up with. Yeah, definitely. I'm interested. Plus, plus you're giving me Minnesota plus three. Yeah. I think I'm getting the better team with the points. Oh, yeah. I, I agree on that. I would like Minnesota money line. Yeah, I think taking the money line would be smart. I think they have the better quarterback, better run game, better receivers. Um, even though Debo Samuel is playing, you know, tremendous. He um, he is one really bright spot that a lot of people maybe on the East Coast don't see as much because people don't watch the 49ers. But the, he is impressed. It seems like every game he's just making like a, a hell of a play. And he plays I like think- everywhere. It, I know Pro Bowl is a bit of a popularity contest, but Samuel and Cup, easily the two best wide receivers in the league so far this season. That'll be interesting to see. Let's get to number four. Number four. I'm going to take Seattle plus one against Washington. Um, oh. Seattle's been disappointing um, all year. Uh, since Russell Wilson's return, he's been disappointing to say the least. I haven't said it. I, I just, Washington's coming off, you know, a, a games where they're playing, you know, they've won games, Seattle's losing. It's It seems like, it's not the best analysis, but it seems <laughs> like when you get a team that's losing this much and a team that's winning, like, you're kind of due for a win. They have to I even think, out. <laughs> yeah, but I also feel like you're giving me Seattle with a point. You're giving me Russell Wilson and a point against Heineke without that point. Yeah. Um, Chase Young got hurt for the year, so Washington's down their best player. Um, you know, I need to see better play out of Seattle. Having said it, I think that they're the better team in Washington if Russell Wilson is on the field. Yeah, you could see Seattle coming out and winning like 32 to 10 and just like trying to, you know, come back into it and be like, yeah, we're still here. And Washington, I don't think, is going to be. Uh, you know, near the top of the, the league at all. I, I agree that it's not like it doesn't make sense as an analysis, but like, uh, you know, they're due. They're due. They're due. <laughs> they are. Plus, I mean, we're also forgetting the fact that Russell Wilson came back from injury and played Green Bay and Arizona, literally the top two seeds in the entire NFL right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Russell Wilson did struggle against the two best teams in the league. Um, Washington's much stronger up front than they are on the back end. And without Chase Young, I think Russell Wilson will buy more time. And I think he'll be able to get the ball to Metcalf and walk it down the field more effectively. All right, then. And and one last thing on your uh, just feeling it. It's like when the Steelers played the Lions. Like, I know that everything said that they should blow them away or beat them. And I was like, there's just something about this that they play to their opponent. And it's like not on you know, statistics or anything. You can just feel it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. It's a feeling, and I mean, it's any single situational thing, whether it's two-minute warning at halftime or before the game, whether it's going for it on fourth down, give me Russell Wilson over uh, Heineke 100% of the time, and I think they'll play a better football game because of that. Yeah, fair enough. Number five. 
five on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, I'm gonna take the Las Vegas Raiders. I've been um, going against them and crit- I've been critical against them the past few weeks. Um, but I'm gonna take them plus seven and a half against Dallas. Um, right now, Vegas is uh, actually the healthier team. We're coming off a short week for um, both these guys since they'll be playing Thursday. I think. Seven and a half is just a lot of points for a guy like Derek Carr um, and all these injuries Dallas has. Um, Amari Cooper has COVID. He's not going to play. C.D. Lamb's hurt. He's not going to play. Um, Tyron Smith um, is questionable. Ezekiel Elliott's dealing you know, with a knee. Um, he'll be questionable, too. Um, but those are playmakers, and then you're running out. Like you'll be starting Gallup and Cedric Wilson at wide out. Um, I, I think that Vegas at this point, with those points, is the better play. Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence, their two best pass rushers, they'll be down. Look for Carr to have time to find his playmakers. Um, Darren Waller should have a big game. Josh Jacobs um, is going to use a bit more in the pass game. Um, and I think seven and a half is just a lot of points for a team that's banged up even. I mean, look at what they did last week against Kansas City. They put up nine points on all their playmakers. And Kansas City's defense is not good by any means. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, while we're talking about uh, Thanksgiving uh, football, uh, uh, we were talking before the game about the Turkey Bowl. And I found that there is a movie called The Turkey Bowl. Uh, it looks awful. JP, would you like to guess what it's uh, what it is on uh, Rotten Tomato? Mm. Uh, do you have the audience and the critic score? I'm I'm pulling it up on my phone right now, so I will have mm. both. Oh my god! Okay, so I have the the tomato meter has zero reviews, uh, so it doesn't That's have good. it, but it does have an audience score of over 250 reviews. 250 reviews. Hmm. Turkey Bowl. Not that this matters, but what what like year did this come out? I want to get a two thousand nineteen. This is like almost brand new. Oh yes. my god! As a gambler, if I had to set the over under, I would probably set it at like twenty one and a half. <laughs> okay, but my guess, I'm gonna say uh, eighteen. Ninety one. Whoa. <laughs> 91 Whoa. is the audience score. Now, let me just say that's the audience score because no critics have seen it because I think we can kind of infer that. Even um, Ron, like, that's still something, like, kind of shady. The critics will like like yeah. what they like. They don't always pick the best movies for the most entertaining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think for what it is, it looks like it might be okay. I mean, the Turkey Bowl is not going to be, you know, an Oliver Stone movie. It's... But it says it's 91. It has over 250 ratings. And it says best comedy movies of 2020. Uh, it has a bronze medal next to it. So that's for Rotten Tomato. Now, uh, when I was on Google and I was looking, it's IMDb square was 5.6. And according to Google, 66% of the people liked the movie. So with with, <laughs> with those stats, you can kind of even it out. But it's available on Hulu and uh I guess Sling TV with the premium subscription. So, um, I'll uh, maybe I'll check that out. We'll we'll discuss that next week. Yeah, Turkey Bowl. That'll be exciting. Something um to to throw on. What I mean, it can't be worse than having to watch the Lions this week. 
<laughs> that is absolutely true. Do you know who the Lions are playing? Do you know the Thanksgiving games? Oh, yeah. So we get, um, like I said, Dallas and Vegas is going to be probably the most um, competitive of the games. Um, That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. But then we have the traditional Lions. They're going to play the Bears. Mm -hmm. And then we have Bills and Saints, um, who are both just, in my opinion, overrated. I think that the third game should always be an AFC game. Because the the Cowboys and, and Lions are always NFC, obviously. So you see all these NFC teams. And then the Lions and uh, and the Cowboys uniforms are too close. Like, I feel like I'm watching blue and gold. And, I mean, blue and silver all day. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, don't have the Colts on. But I think I'm all about color today. So, But I feel like you need to have, like, I don't know, save uh, Chiefs and Bills, like, for a game like that, don't kick the season off with some of these good ones. Save it for prime time th- Thanksgiving. These this is a very weak schedule for uh, Thanksgiving. I like, feel like no they one always wants to watch are. the Bears and Lions, Bills and Saints. Like even before the year, like I, I, I don't know. Like th- these games to me are all boring. The Lions game should always be a divisional game. That's the only reason the Lions would be interesting mm-hmm. if they're against well, the Bears. And you can't even make it Green Bay or Minnesota because they'll stomp them. Yeah. So. You have to make it Chicago so Chicago can win by seven instead of 17. Yeah. And then they need to do something like that. They need to have just the matchups and, like, maybe uh, Cowboys and I don't know. Cowboys are good this year, but I think you need to go more divisional games. Although, I don't want to see another NFC East game because they're always on, man. It feels like the NFC East have uh, have six games each week. Yeah, well, I I agree. It's just boring. It's repetitive, and it's like they play each other three times instead of twice. Yeah. Um, quick question: Do you know why uh, the Lions play Thanksgiving every year? No. Do you have the history behind it? Yeah. So I had no idea, but I guess in 1934, owner George Richards bought the team, and then when they moved to Detroit. Um, they were just like looking for a new way to get a bigger fan base. So as a marketing idea, they decided let's play on Thanksgiving. And I guess the league for some reason said, sure, why not? And since 1934. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we survived. You know, this country survived like world wars and, you know, Soviet <laughs> Union. All through all that, Detroit Lions playing on Thanksgiving. I mean, that's the one consistent. And now we have Jared Goff carrying on the tradition. Uh, he might. Timmy Boyle might be under center again. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> I, I watched that game. Hey, what would Thanksgiving be without Timmy Boyle? <laughs> it's been said a thousand times. It would be like the poor man's podcast, not Case Keenum. <laughs> we'll end it on that, JP. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll check with you next week. Hopefully the bets pay off, especially the Kansas City one, boys and girls, because I, uh, I'm betting on that one. But I haven't, I've not been uh, very lucky this year, so. Hopefully JP's advice will work for me instead of taking my own advice. But JP, thank you for your time. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, for JP, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week.